0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's
1: ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: This is IAQ Radio. Indoor air quality radio. The voice of the indoor air quality industry. With your host, Radio Joe Hughes and the Z-Man, Cliff Zlatnik, And now... Radio Joe Hughes.
3: Good day, wherever you're listening from, and welcome. It's episode 485 of IAQ Radio, and it's Friday, November 17th, 2017. We're going to talk a little bit about what we learned at the Healthy Building Summit 2017 with three of the professionals who attended and spoke. Um, We've got Nate Adams, we've got Carl Grimes, and we've got Eric Shapiro. At least we hope we'll have Carl here any moment, but we've definitely got Nate and we've got Eric on the line. But before we get started, we want to thank our marquee sponsors.
2: IAQ Radio marquee sponsors are John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at johndon.com. That's j o n d o n.com. Healthy Indoor Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions are available at iaq.net. Particles Plus, engineers and manufacturers, feature rich particle counters, air quality monitoring, instrumentation, and vacuum pump technology. ParticlesPlus.com, count on us.
3: Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you inquire about their services or products. And we've got continuing education credits available. If you email me at joe.hughes at iaqtraining.com, we'll get you out a quiz. You can get continuing education credits for listening to the show and answering a couple questions. All right, before we get started, let's turn it over to the Z-Man for today's IAQ Radio trivia question.
2: And now, you can win a cool prize. It's time for the IAQ Radio Trivia Question. Be the first to correctly answer. Simply email your answer to C Zlotnik at cs.com. Or, if listening live, just text your answer from your computer. And now, here's the Z-Man with this week's IAQ Radio Trivia Question.
4: Congratulations go out to Vic Cafaro, Richmond, Virginia for being the first person to identify November 10, 1775 as important in military history because it was the founding of the United States Marine Corps. The IQ Radio trivia question for today, Friday, November 17, 2017, has been sponsored by Ideas, the Solution Chemistry Company, creating unique solutions to odor removal, surface cleaning, and decontamination problems. Here is today's trivia question. On july eighteenth, nineteen fifty-five, a meeting of world leaders was held
3: in Switzerland. What was that meeting called? Back to you, Joe. Hmm. Okay, I don't know that one off the top of my head. But let's uh let's talk a little bit. We've got Nate Adams, who's the founder of Energy Smart Home Performance. He's outside of Cleveland, Ohio. Energy Smart started out as an insulation contractor for existing homes, but has evolved into doing more comprehensive home performance retrofits. We're going to have Carl Grimes, the President um, of, or wait, the Hayward SCORE Director of Healthy Homes. He's with the Healthy Home Institute in Carmel, California. Prior to that, since 1987 until about four years ago, he was the President of Healthy Habitats LLC in Denver. Colorado. He's also a past president at IAQA and past president of practice at ISIAC, the International Society for Indoor Air Quality and Climate. And we've also got Eric Shapiro, a longtime building maintenance, environmental remediation, and environmental inspection professional. He's got a master's degree from uh, John Jay College of Criminal Justice, and he's also had extensive training and education in IAQ. He teaches indoor air quality-approved training courses and helps us out quite a bit with the program and was a big part of the Healthy Building Summit. He's also... uh been in in many different aspects of the indoor environmental quality world. He's done mechanical systems, cleaning, uh, inspections, diagnostics. Uh, He's uh, just a kind of jack of all trades. We look forward to talking to Eric. Okay, so let's let's see if we got Nate on the line. We'll start with you. Nate Adams, how are things going? Very well, Joe. Happy to be here. Welcome on board, buddy. Let's talk... If you would, give listeners a little bit of uh, what your impression was after the Healthy Building Summit. We had you do a little presentation as a part of the summit, but we had, for so, those that don't know, we probably had, I don't know, 20 speakers over the two and a half days and a lot of great presentations. What, what did we learn that we can pass on to others here today, Nate? Well, first I'd say uh, it, it's remarkable the mixture
0: that you guys managed to put together, From different disciplines, so this is the only event that I go to consistently now, uh, because uh, like there's folks from the mold remediation industry, from disaster restoration industry. uh, There's building scientists like myself. uh, uh, There's it's just this hugely broad array of people, and I really really enjoy that uh, because sometimes it's hard to learn new things. Uh, when you get to a certain point in an industry and uh, learning th- things from adjacent industries oftentimes is where the next jumps come from. So that's, that's what I really enjoy about uh, the healthy building summit. Uh, but that said, a couple things that come to mind for me were uh, uh, Sal DeLuca and May Dooley talking about electromagnetic, uh, excuse me, electromagnetic fields and, uh, because until now, all of the information that I've heard doesn't provide a framework around it. Uh, it just talks about them being bad. Uh, and generally it has it has come off um, uh, we'll say not very professional in my mind, not not very scientific. And uh, uh, I enjoyed hearing Sal talk about dirty electronic or dirty electricity and how that can create harmonics, and how some people are sensitized to that sort of thing. Uh, It's definitely not everyone, but some people are. And then he actually did live measurements in front of us showing um, uh, what some of the the levels would be that were not good. And that, to me, was incredibly helpful so that at least I could begin to wrap my head around that field instead of just thinking that it's uh, a little bit crazy.
3: You know, I... I'm glad you mentioned Sal LaDuca and May Dooley and uh, Martin Davis also presented during that segment. They're kind of from the building biology world, another group that we pulled in and and Saldo works full-time for an electric company and he he goes around and he you know he's he knows his electricity I mean he knows it inside out, but he also does consulting in the building biology world. so I felt he was very interesting a little you know, a little controversial in that some people don't believe that um, the electromagnetic fields and, and these issues that occur as the, re- you know, potentially as the result of exposure. But certainly he could show you that there were issues with your electric and that certainly it wouldn't hurt to fix them. I, I thought he was also a, a highlight along with May Dooley. So we had May first kind of break it down and give the basics. And then Sal came in with some case studies. And then, uh, Martine had an interesting presentation on um, heat recovery ventilators. She's from Wisconsin and some of the contamination she's been finding in the heat recovery ventilators, which I thought dovetailed nicely with the guest we had last week, Joe Nagin, who's also from that Wisconsin area, and he's been very involved with the uh, building programs, the energy programs, Working with the energy companies and the state to ensure that building code and the way they build in Wisconsin is um, using the latest building science information, but uh, also working with the contractors to make sure they can do it. And he was kind of negative toward the heat recovery ventilators, too, from a different perspective, but we can talk more about that as we go along. Let's bring in Eric Shapiro for a moment. Eric, I want you to say hello first, and then if there was there was a presentation that stood out in your mind, I'd like you to tell listeners about it.
1: Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, Joe. Uh, first, and uh, I'd like everybody to know, and, and, and I get no compensation from Joe Hughes to say this, but I've been, <laughs> what is it, four or five years now going to this event, and every time I recommend somebody goes, I get nothing but raves that they didn't know it existed and they wind up becoming repeat offenders at this event uh, every year. So uh, uh, I agree with Nate. Uh, I, I the, the concentration of information we get every year than any, any conference, any, any uh, uh, event that I, I've been to. So, uh, you know, for future reference listeners, if you can attend, uh, uh for 2018 uh be there uh that being said uh there were a lot of good speakers there uh I'm like Nate I didn't know much about the uh electrical fields uh south did a great job uh he also gave me some advice on the car amplifier which was uh which was good as well but uh but, you know, controversial interesting uh but I got a better appreciation for that uh, uh, I thought Tom uh, uh he had a really good, uh, you know, presentation uh, with the, uh, the uh, you know, dryer vents uh, and their concerns, uh, and everybody all the way around. Uh, and in your keynote speech, Dr. uh, you know, that was just, uh, that was, uh, I, I really can't highlight one particular person who was better than the other. There were just different you know different facets of our industry uh, being presented uh, and they were all good
3: Cliff let me let you jump in you were also at the event although you were tied up a good bit during the presentations uh, I don't know that all the listeners know but we also do some research to practice while we're there and Cliff was running a research project during the first day but Cliff let me let you jump in
4: Well, thanks, Joe. You know, I I took the research. Well, you and I both take this research to practice motto very, very seriously. And, um, you know, this year I was fortunate and it was really I had the opportunity to conceive and develop uh, an experiment, a research project. And I got to work with Tom Grillo. I got to work with Particles Plus. I got to work with Danny Hunt. And what we studied is a lot of, there seems to be a lot of interest now in, in the mold remediation world about particulate and about using products to suppress particulate. And this has been a tactic that's been utilized in the asbestos abatement field for many, many years. And in that field, they typically use airless paint sprayers and they wet down asbestos before they remove it. And they also mist while they're doing it, and this technology, or I, I guess this concept has is, is, uh, now been introduced and is being promoted in mold remediation, and there are a number of products that are being advertised uh, in order you know, to, to do this, and what we wanted to do is see exactly what happens, and what we did is we created an experiment, we took a product that's touted as you know, being being highly effective in terms of removing airborne particulate. And what we did is we had uh, two different rooms in which we tested two different products. We tested that product and then a product we just threw together uh, out of the literature and uh, the rooms were set up identically. We used particle counters to measure what was going on before. We stirred up each one of these rooms in the same manner for about five minutes uh, we had a fog machine, uh, which was set up on a pedestal, uh, which was set up on a rotating uh, Lazy Susan that worked electronically at, at one revolution per minute. And, you know, all this was precisely installed in the room in exactly the same place so that we could uh, duplicate what was happening uh, we fogged each one of these rooms for five minutes with the products, and we ran the particle counters consistently while we were fogging, and then for a significant period of time uh, afterwards. And I'm still waiting for the data. Uh, I have it on, I have it on a disc. I'm not sure exactly, uh, you know, how to interpret it yet at this point. And Tom and I have discussed uh, a couple of times, and he's going to try to simplify it so that. Uh, you know then I can understand it but uh, very very cool I think that that data is gonna tell us whether or not these things work or don't work whether or not it makes sense or whether it doesn't make sense or whether this is just something uh that people are hyping you know within the industry uh, with, with nothing behind it so I think we'll have the answer to that question
3: you know and that adds on to the other research we've been doing over the years on the use of different engineering controls for removal of particulate and um, we've been you know we've done a few shows on that we can refer listeners back to to what we've done on that but that adds to it and one of the other reasons we did that there's those types of um, practices are also being touted for the mold sensitive people that these use of these products helps to Agglomerate the mold spores and drop them to the floor where they can be removed, etc. So we, you know, I think it'll be very interesting. We'll, we'll probably get Tom on for a later show to, to talk about uh, the the results from that particular one. All right, let's let's go back to Nate uh, Nate Adams for a moment. Nate, I want to I want to follow up on a uh, comment that um, that that Eric made. Actually, he um, he mentioned Tom Yakabellis's presentation. I was really You know, I was really excited about having Tom as a presenter. And then I think when people first saw what he was going to talk about, they they may have thought, well, you know, there's so many things Tom can talk about. Why this? Um, I don't know. Did you get the same impression? uh, Well, which topic? The The dryer vent or uh, the hospital containment? They were both Um, very good. But the dryer vent discussion, I thought people probably thought, well, what do dryer vents have to do with indoor air quality home performance um energy efficiency etc
0: i i really liked his presentation on that too uh, uh, that i didn't realize that dryer vents are the number one cause of house fires uh, when they get clogged up uh, but it does make sense because uh, in our practice we are always looking at dryer vents so every audit i do I take a picture of the dryer vents, and I recommend a different type of dryer vent that is easier to clean out and uh, seals better. Um, and so it was it was funny to see that research dovetail with uh, what I do, and that's, that's the part of the fun part of uh, this conference. Is you're just constantly looking for tweaks to your practice or getting confirmation or figuring out if there's something you can improve. Uh, but, uh, I also found it really interesting that he said the worst offenders are ducks going through the attics in cold climates. So, uh, I don't know if he talked a ton about it specifically, but, uh, you end up getting condensation on the ductwork because you have this warm, damp air going through, uh, well, and, uh, so you end up really clogging the dryer vents and there's no way to see them because they come out the roof. So that's where a lot of the issues come from. And I just I found his whole discussion, yeah, just utterly fascinating. And at first I was like you, I kinda rolled my eyes, like, really? All the things you can talk
3: about and you choose dryer vents? (laughs) Well, I I knew ahead of time because I had seen him at a conference (laughs) and there was a guy there that I think we're gonna get on a later (laughs) show. They're they're actually selling dryer vent cleaning franchises. And they they have a A new piece of equipment they've developed to test the dryer vents and to make sure that they are flowing properly and they have the, you know, um, that they've been cleaned, that they can confirm that once they're done, it's been cleaned and it's working properly. But you brought up a good point. That's why I loved it. It it was a building science issue, it was an indoor air quality issue, but it was also a restoration related issue because they caused fires. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when a dryer vent goes through an attic, and particularly in a cold climate, first of all, they're not generally insulated very well, if at all. Um, they're typically just, you know, a piece of uh, plastic flex duct, essentially. And and when you put that warm, moist air up through there, obviously you're going to get some some issues from that. Um, he showed us some photos of dryer vents, especially the one in, in Washington, D.C., at the hotel where – uh, yeah. All the you know mayors and the governors and the big politicians stay, and uh, they had I can't remember how many garbage bags full of lint and other junk that they removed from that particular location because you know these folks have these big you know units hotels you got to imagine they're doing a lot of washing and drying and they were just loaded with lint they were having problems couldn't figure out why and then when they brought in. Uh, Tom's company, in this case he's working for Belfour and the Ducks franchise, they showed him what the problem was, and it was just unbelievable how much was in that, uh, how much lint, and essentially he said it turns into like a, a cake, a mud almost, or almost like yep. a plaster purse once it dries, yeah, it's like cement. You cement, he said, out. yes, cement. So it's um, a very yeah, interesting. Yeah, he said there was 700
0: pounds of lint they removed, and how they figured it out was uh, there's the, the fire inside the, uh, uh, the dryer vent had been burning for 36 hours.
3: Wow. That's right. That's what it was. It was a fire again. Yeah. And they, amazing. Amazing. Uh, but anyway, Eric, I wanted to let you comment again on uh, anything from Tom's presentation that you took away.
1: Yeah, well... I was glad to see him do it because I started cleaning dryer vents 20 years ago with the mechanical cleaning when nobody could do it. And uh, I said, boy, we're on to something because we were getting condominium and apartment complexes that were starting to get reductions in their their insurance because they would put a maintenance program to yearly get the dryer vents cleaned. Uh, and I've, I've also... In them just cause a lot of water and mold problems, especially when these uh flex lines are running through crawl spaces and attics uh not only do they condensate but when water fills up they they bow the lines and nothing moves through and, uh just just a just a whole lot of problems with them and uh and and I'm glad to see uh to see uh Tom bring it up because it is it is definitely a niche market uh And, uh, you know, something for people to consider, and it's not just cleaning them, but go find a uh, repairman, a mechanical contractor that wants to rerun dryer lines that have been installed incorrectly. You can't find them. So uh, I found it to be a potential opportunity, especially if you're dealing with uh, uh, apartment or uh, condominium type buildings where, you know, you have a, a a lot of units.
3: Well, they also create a, a, a tremendous negative pressure in the area where the dryer is, and I, I, you know, I think a lot of indoor air quality professionals, they look at the dryer and they kind of, you know, check to see, okay, is, and maybe many don't, don't necessarily check to see if it's clear, if the, if it's open. I mean, a lot of times the flap doesn't open anymore for whatever reason. I've seen them that were still taped Correct. shut from shipping. So, yeah, it's a huge issue. Well, well I, you
1: know. The the dryer, the central vacuum systems, all they are, are different forms of the negative energy. Uh, uh, Other than that, that, that's exactly what they do. So uh, they they just suck air out of the house.
3: Yeah, I I was really impressed. By the way, go ahead, Nate. I was going to say, from a
0: building science perspective, uh, if you do combustion safety testing, you'll find that very, very often when the uh, dryer is on, if they have a natural draft water heater, it causes backdrafting. Uh, in fact, I yes. was just working with a client right now that's uh, trying to decide whether to replace their water heater, and that's one of my arguments for it. Your water heater is very close to failing under natural conditions with uh, the backdraft test, yes. and it's definitely failing when I turn the dryer on. And the dryer is likely to be on when the water heater's on, because uh, you just ran a load of laundry and you uh, did a pull on the water heater. So the water heater is very likely to be running when the dryer is on. Uh, So it's a carbon monoxide uh, and health issue as well. So it, it is funny how one little appliance touches so many different things.
3: And it's great when I've got people from different industries sharing this information. You guys look at it all the time because it's a part of the the CAZ testing or combustion testing that home performance guys do not every indoor air quality person does that so i think it it really opened a lot of eyes and i understand we've got Carl Grimes on now Carl do we have you on the line <laughs>
5: Yeah, you've got me finally. Um, I forgot what time zone I was in.
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> I was going to come on uh, the next hour. <laughs> as much as you travel, I understand, Carl. What we were doing is just going through with uh, Nate and Eric and asking them what what stood out, any particular presentation, any tip that you picked up that maybe we could pass along to listeners from the Healthy Building Summit? Yeah,
5: and to be quite honest, I've been on for a few minutes here now, and I've learned something already. I've been doing this 30 years, okay, and I've already learned something. One is I just realized from the conversation, especially what Eric was saying, was that I'm one of those that I pay attention to lots of things. I'm very diligent. I dive deeper than the the typical uh, uh, assessor does. But I've always basically discounted or ignored the clothes dryer. So Tom's presentation really opened my eyes, even on an a individual residence. And then with not what Nate was saying, I had never considered that before, that uh, when you turn the clothes dryer on, you've just finished a load of wash and the hot water heater is probably running. And I, that was new to me, too. So just to emphasize your point, Joe, about different people in different parts of the industry and professions and research and everything else have different things to observations. Uh, I mean, it's really bringing it home to me right now.
3: I think another thing that I probably got more good feedback and compliments about the after event um, where we have the, hospitality suite open after we're done each day and we all go to lunch together at the same time and i i I got more compliments about from people about the networking they did and the 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 ability to actually get to talk to someone after the presentations by the way mark hernandez i i gotta thank him over and over um he stayed around for every other presentation and and asked questions and he was just tremendous um in that He showed his interest for what what the practitioners do uh, as well as what the researchers do. So I I really enjoyed that as well. Carl, any other um, presentations that stand out in your mind that we could pass along to listeners?
5: Uh, Yeah, one I really wanted to mention, other than Mark Hernandez and the same comments that you just made, uh, and he was not just hanging around. He was actively engaged up in our hospitality suite, talking to people and engaged with them, and I really like that. Research to practice is really important uh, to him. The one I wanted to mention, though, was by your own Z-Man, Cliff Slotny, his presentation on cleaning air movers. And while the general public won't be using air movers, it, it points out something that is often forgotten uh, not so much in, like, a forced air system, but sometimes some of the wall units or in air conditioners, um, they'll go in and they'll, they'll clean the air pathway, but they don't clean the blower. They don't clean the fan. And then they think, well, it didn't do any good. I can't get it clean. I've got to put it away. No, you didn't clean the whole air pathway. And what Cliff was showing was how you – what it takes to actually get the blower – fan cage or the blower blades themselves clean in any kind of air mover so what he well what he as a practitioner did was a research project so he took it the other way he took practice to research rather than research to practice that i i thought that was really awesome comparing what the direction he and mark hernandez took but the The point about uh, cleaning the blower blades, the fan blades, and any kind of air mover is something that I see ignored by even some of the professionals. So I thought that was really cool, and that's something that more people, I don't know, even if they can't do it themselves, they need to be aware of, hey, did you clean the fan itself? Did you clean the blower itself?
3: Yeah, where did that thing come from? It just was on 20 other restoration projects with sewage and everything else. Cliff, anything you'd like to add on that? Because I, I think others were very uh, interested in your research there.
4: No, I mean, again, it, I've known Dr. Felicia Chancharolo since she was in high school. And, uh, you know, we kind of grew up together. And, you know, as a microbiologist, uh, it was something that we had chatted about. I was interested in it. I, I thought that it was, um, you know, potentially a problem. And yeah, you know, I had the opportunity to work with her uh, and two stu- two of her students with with Carlo University. And it was just kind of neat, you know, like laying it out. And you know, then we had the opportunity of having this serendipitous. Uh, you know, four air movers, uh, you know, two pairs of two different types that happened to have been left in a project that was sewage remediated for four months. So the whole thing really, really came together and, you know, the planets were aligned and uh, it was really a lot of fun. And, you know, I, I think at some point, uh, you know, we hope to uh, publish a paper on it and, you know, get it peer-reviewed and submitted. I'm just trying to figure out who to submit it to at this point, you know, who would be interested in it. But um, that was really, really a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, Cliff, in the hey, intro. So this is Eric. Go can, ahead, I, Eric. Can, can I jump in on sure. that? Uh, sure. You
1: know, one of the ideas, and, and, and over the years you've always been research to practice, uh, and I see, it, you know, a little bit changing uh every year at your event and to go on what carl says with dr hernandez every year i see we're we're getting this great information from the academics from the research but i'm seeing from the field going back to them and and i even had uh, a a nice discussion with dr hernandez about what can we do in the field to get you feedback on what you're you know you're so I'm I'm glad, you know, Carl mentioned that. Dr. Hernandez stayed there. He was engaged because he really is interested to find out what's going on in the field and you know, how's that how's that segueing in with, with, with his academic research? Uh and, and maybe how might he modify his research because of the uh the data that comes back from the field. So, you know, it's really important I had it down as my second, you know, idea of, uh, you know, what I pulled out of this, but it's now getting that back and forth flow, not just from the academics sending it to us, but we've got to have an avenue to to give them feedback on, on, on what they've told us and to see if it's working in the field.
3: We're going to have to break in a moment, but I just want to, before we leave and come back, I want to mention that was... The reason I, I really was excited about bringing Tom Yacobelis as a keynote is I look at Tom as a practice-to-research kind of guy, similar to Cliff. They see issues in the field, and then they go out and they they figure out through experimentation and reproduction of, the you know, re- reproducibility of the results, how to fix those issues. And Tom actually went to the level of, Okay, we've got this issue in the field. Now we've got to go in the in the research lab, which is his garage or wherever. We've got to do the research on why these things are occurring in the field. But then he went a step further, which is what I was trying to really drive home with his presentation. He not only figured out the why and the how to fix these issues, he went and helped develop a standard for the industry to use... When Correct. these dryer vent issues come up, and that to me was like the 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 way to do it, the culmination of it. You know, you go from something that's causing a problem in the field. You do the research on it, you figure it out, you get the appropriate association to work with you, and in this case, it was NADCA, the National Air Duct Cleaners Association. You develop the standard based on the problem and the the solutions to the problem and then everybody in the industry hopefully will know the right way to work with this particular issue. That's what I was trying to do with Tom, and I I think he, he was just tremendous and helped us out so much. Anyway, we're going to be back for the second half of our interview in 90 seconds, but before we do that, we've got to thank our sponsors and pay a few bills.
2: IAQ Radio would like to thank our association sponsors. The Indoor Air Quality Association, a nonprofit, multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at iaqa.org. Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, who use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them, wolfsense.com. IAQ Marquee Sponsors are... Healthy Indoor Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions are available at iaq.net. Particles Plus, engineers and manufacturers. Feature rich particle counters, air quality monitoring, instrumentation and vacuum pump technology. ParticlesPlus.com, count on us.
3: Okay, we're back for the second half of our interview. We've got Nate Adams, we've got Carl Grimes, and we've got Eric Shapiro, and, of course, we've got the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. Guys, I want to just throw out a jump ball here. Um, before we left for the break, we were talking about practice to research instead of the other way around, and I wonder if anybody else wanted to throw out a comment on that. You know, what what do we still need to research from your experience in the field as practitioners,
5: oh, I, I well I'll take a little different tack on that, Joe, if I could. Carl, that go was ahead. Something that I, I wanted to say before we went <laughs> to break is that curiosity—the difference between the typical person in the field doing fantastic assessments and fantastic contractors' work—is curiosity. Uh, like you said, Tom notices something. And he goes from there. Cliff notices something, and he goes from there. Well, whether you follow up from it or not, if you if you have curiosity about what's going on in that building, you will see things, and you want to follow up on it. Want to investigate? It's just that Tom and uh, uh, Cliff and others like them take it way beyond that. But just for an ordinary assessment, if you aren't curious and you just go in with the cookie cutter approach of tab a to slot B you're going to miss a lot of these important things, the observations that Eric and Nate, you know, commented on just before I came on the, on, on the show here. So curiosity, I think is a, is a key factor in this, that, uh, we have to talk. We have, we have, to encourage more, uh, in training and conversation presentations than just our daily work. Curiosity is a good word for me.
3: Great. Carl, that's a, that's a good comment. Hey, let me let me do this, guys. Um, I want to throw out a couple of names and presentations and, and get you to comment back on, on what you took from it. I want to start with Ralph Moon, Dr. Ralph Moon. I, I've got my feelings on, on what he did and, and why I brought him on. I just wonder if any of you have anything you'd like to mention to listeners about Dr. Moon's presentation.
0: I found it fascinating. Um uh, so he had two different pieces that he was talking about. So one of them was figuring out uh, forensically uh, how many days a given building material had been wet, uh, and it was primarily by measuring how much it had expanded. Uh, and that was something I just haven't thought about. So this is again uh, an adjacent piece to what I do. Uh, that you just uh, I don't know exactly how I'll apply that, but it, it'll come up at some point when I. Uh, look at a piece of mdf that's swollen and i'll be able to have some idea how long
3: that was wet and what's good to know nate is that there you now know there is research you can go to from dr moon that you can pull up and and review whenever that comes up and say hey you know based on the research dr moon and his group did it, it appears that mdf was wet for a week or two weeks and this this loss occurred two days ago so was this a pre-existing condition or not i think the the things he was talking about are the big money ticket items that insurance companies are oftentimes worried about as are consumers that have just had a flood so i i agree with you that um that was a great great presentation um anybody else want to jump in
1: well, me, I can't speak on Dr. Moon uh, because I was up uh, in our research rooms while he was doing his presentation.
3: <laughs> Let me give people yeah. my thoughts uh, on it real quick. Go ahead. Somebody else?
1: Uh, yeah.
5: Uh, I, I saw his presentation at a conference about a month or so before also, and two things about one is the the additional information and research from what he had two months before and what he had at your conference was he, he took leaps and bounds so he's always working the other one is just what you were talking about there's science out there he takes a situation in a in a building and gets behind the science behind it of what is happening and how to evaluate and so forth so it's not just it, it it's important that we understand that Uh, you know, like uh, MDF uh, expands at different rates. It doesn't come back down and, you know, all the mechanics of that. But there is a resource out there. Third quick point is we're used to looking at some of us, me anyway, at insurance companies as sometimes the bad guys. These are the people that come in and say, no, 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 we're not, it's not covered, we're not going to cover it. Here's a situation where Ralph and his people, his company, are going out for The defense side of legal cases, but when they find out what they when they find out the information of what's going on, the science behind it, they share it with everybody.
3: Yes, it's a beautiful. Let me let me describe for listeners the second part of Doctor Moon's presentation. Many of you may be familiar with this field technique that people use all the time, but they don't. They don't have anything to tie it back to. It's just kind of intuitive they They use it could be a hammer, it could be a piece of metal, et cetera, and they do and and you're looking at a water loss situation or even just you know you you do new construction and you're concerned that the ceramic tower, the marble or whatever, and he used about seven different types of floor covering isn't adhering properly to the substrate. And there's a tile tap method where you take a hammer, or a, in this case he used a ring, a metal ring, and they set up microphones, and they they had the measurement uh, capabilities to measure the, the amount of decibels, and they were able to pinpoint at what point a tile is partially Connected or not connected at all, adhere to the substrate, and just by using this tapping method. But people have been doing it for years and years, but they never really had solid research to tie it back to that said, okay, if you tap marble with this particular two-inch ring made of this type of metal, this is where the cutoff is going to be with respect to the sound you hear back. Uh, for marble that is well-adhered and marble that is not well-adhered. So did the water damage cause the towel or ceramic or whatever it may be to become not properly adhered to the substrate? I, I just find that to be a really good example of practice to research, research to practice. Anybody want to add to that? I right. think you covered it. Let's go to the next one. I want to yep. go back to Dr. Hernandez for a moment. I want to give a quick impression I had. First, I knew he would be excellent as our keynote, but one of the things I did not expect, I knew he would talk about the Instascope um, and the, the biofluorescence and looking at particles and how they biofluoresce or reflect light and being able to differentiate between bacteria and fungi, but I didn't expect him to tie in the mycometer Um, technology to the other types of technologies he was looking at. And um, I don't know how many listeners are familiar with the micrometer. Lisa Rogers is uh, someone that we'll have to get on the show in the near future. But I found that really interesting that there was another kind of emerging, although it's been around for a long time, it's starting to become pretty widely accepted, at least in the research arena and with EPA, as a a good method for evaluating uh, fungi in the air, bacteria in the air, and I I think they have methods for doing it on the surface. Um, Carl, maybe you could add a little to that.
5: One other thing, I was asking Dr. Hernandez about that, and Actually, he was correcting me. Let me. <laughs> I was saying something. He was correcting me, and he did this two or three times. He said, it's not just one method. It's several methods. And he said that is, he, what he emphasized to me was how important it was that it's not just he's involved with the scope of the science behind it and so forth. He did, but it's not just that. And it's, it's micrometre also, and it's not just micrometre. You have to put all these things together because it's all a dynamic system, so you have to put it all together to see what you actually have and uh so that that was I'm glad you brought that up because i hadn't I hadn't thought of it as something to say here today but uh that was a that was a real important correction that he made to me during our conversation. It's not just one thing.
3: And I'm glad I brought it up yeah, because and, you just added uh, oh, to I, it. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah, I, I I took his his
1: uh uh presentation there when he measured it. It's basically a cross-validating. Uh, I, I mean, the, the micrometer's been used for years on some Department of Defense contracts. Uh, it was used exclusively to verify uh you know work that we did uh and and i i, I think you know it's been validated from from you know everything i know and i i, I think uh you know all these different methods are uh, he's using you know to validate you know new technologies and uh that's what i got from it and uh uh and and so be it it makes sense
3: let me throw out another presentation that I was really, really happy with, and that was Pete Consigli. Many of you know the Restoration Industries Global Watchdog joins us regularly on the show. And Pete's got a mind like a steel trap, Um Once he is gone, I don't know who's going to – he's got to write this all down because he's got the restoration industry history down. I mean, he's got it. And then he also has been very involved with the indoor air quality world and the building science community because of the work he's done over the years at Building Science Summer Camp. So I asked Pete – look, Pete, there's a lot of really, really good research that's been – Put out over the years, and some of it's not on the Internet, and some of it people may have overlooked, and, you know, the newer stuff is always sexier. Do me a favor. Go back through history and look at what type of research is out there that maybe we're forgetting about. And Pete put together just a – I just thought it was one of the best presentations I've seen in in, in many, many years. I I, want to first thank him for that publicly. I've already thanked him privately but I also wanted to see if uh, you guys had any comments on that.
1: Cliff. It was, it, was, it was eye-opening to me, I'll tell you that.
3: Just how much is actually out there and exists. And we, we can get some of this up for listeners in the blog. Um, he gave us a great resource of uh, where all this information is. Cliff, let me throw that out to you.
4: Thanks, Joe. You know, one of the things I I talked to Pete afterwards, because I I unfortunately had to leave the event early to take him to the airport. And while we're in the car driving, uh, we kind of came up with an idea that I really even haven't mentioned to you yet, but uh, I'm going to lay it out there now. I I thought we really needed to, uh, to capture this information. And what we came up with was rather than writing it down i think getting an oral history probably makes more sense and we came up with this idea that consigli chronicles and what we would do is is perhaps use iaq radio as the mechanism for this and maybe have one show a month which is a consigli chronicle you know kind of starting at the beginning and I'm not sure how many months it will take. You know, it might take four months or you know, six hours or whatever to get through all this, but what do you think?
3: I love it, and I think it will fit. Uh, I don't know. We haven't really talked to listeners about this, but I noticed today's maybe a good day to to mention this. We've seen a lot of people coming and going because the talk shoot, you know, We've been with talk shoe for 10 years, and, and we've had our ups and downs with the technology here. Um, because unfortunately, people get cut off or have trouble getting in, and I've seen it today. And I've got an email or two here about people that wanted to listen live and couldn't. So Cliff and I and our uh, uh, our announcers, who also helps us with our marketing and advertising, is uh, Spike George Spike Real. We're talking at and uh, my my engineer here, John. You got to hey, have John. faith. Um, are looking at a solution for that. So I'm just going to kind of. Throw that out right now. We're not going to talk about what the solution is, but um, I think listeners can look forward to IAQ Radio taking it up a notch in 2018. Anyway, uh, let me let me go back to some of these other presentations we had. There were a couple I wanted to mention. Um, first, I want to mention that uh, John Donny was also there. John's the editor of the IICRC Journal, um, Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration Journal. And um, I think John did a nice job of talking about the difficult um, task it is, especially in the cleaning and restoration world, to find good peer reviewed uh, papers that people are willing to submit to, um, you know, to, to the peer review process in the first place. And then secondly, to being distributed to the audience out there of the restoration world. I appreciated what John did. Uh, he did a nice job on, on presenting that information. I also want to mention Linda Wigington. Uh, Linda did a, a tremendous job on, on kind of filling us in on the, on the research to practice, so the practice side of her uh, reducing outdoor contaminants in indoor spaces program. And she went over some of the low-cost Um, data monitoring instruments that are available out there. And I I thought she did a real nice job with that. And I want to, Nate, can you chime in on that a bit? Because I know that's something up your alley. (laughs) It is.
0: It's funny. I was looking for a place to jump in. So uh, (laughs) you got uh, (laughs) a couple of things there. Um, uh, One of them was, I don't know if, if Linda fully understand how good the research is that she's doing. And talking about Mark Hernandez uh, being very uh, involved, it's like, this is amazing work that needs to be out there. And it was really fun to watch Linda just light up. Um, uh, I don't know that people have told her how good the work is that she's doing, because it really is fascinating work. Uh, and she's placing all of these monitors in people's homes. Uh, this is actually out in the field. So, Uh, It's both research and practice, and then she's making various adjustments, so she's found that um, changing to more efficient motors, so ECM uh, blower motors, and very good filters, uh, and then running those in central uh, forced air systems is really effective, and uh, then uh, taping a... Uh, a furnace filter, a four inch media filter onto a standard window box fan, which you can build for, you know, 30 to 50 bucks. Uh, and you can get a really nice filter and she could actually show how well they worked with actual readings. Uh, and I, I just found that absolutely
3: fascinating. And she's uh, using so, the, uh, the,
0: kudos the, to Linda.
3: She's using the Dilos, I believe for the research, um, which, you know, I don't mind putting out some names because she looked at a lot of different low-cost monitors, and I, I believe they came out with the dialos, but then she mentioned another one they're looking at now. Nate, do you recall the name on that one?
0: But, of course, uh, uh, it is the, the Purple Air, uh, Brett Singer at Lawrence Berkeley National Labs. Uh, just gave a presentation, I um, uh, can't remember the name of the conference, it's EBA, um, E-E-B-A, and found that uh, the Purple Air and the Fubot were both reasonably reliable, uh, low-cost uh, uh, air quality monitors, which was really nice to have good, solid research on that, because obviously I'd written a, a pretty in-depth article, but I'm not a data scientist, so my work was not verifiable
3: but you've also done and, and spoke about at our event uh, a good bit of you know practical work with these low-cost monitors and you were able to show our attendees um, in particular in this this case some relative humidity data can you kind of give people the the you know encapsulated uh, overview of the your presentation and what you found?
0: Uh, sure. well, there's there's really two points that I made. the The first one is that everything is a proxy. So uh, going back to what Dr. Hernandez's work is, he's trying to measure multiple things to verify that something that he thinks is happening is actually happening by looking for various ways uh, to find uh, reconciliation points or feedback loops. So that's a lot of what uh, we use these products for in our practices is to understand, did something work? And even though the data quality coming from them is just okay, we can leave multiple monitors in homes for a year without having a great deal of cost involved. And so it lets us learn a lot with uh, proxies because they're not perfect monitors, but when something really goes wrong, you have an idea. So that was the first point that I was trying to make. And the second point was connecting humidity and volatile organic compounds or VOCs. Uh, So uh, one of the things that Uh, we've found is on multiple occasions, even though we don't have particularly good control over uh, humidity, or sometimes none, just the sheer act of dehumidification appears, and I I could be wrong, uh, but it appears to be reducing VOC output. And uh, I just presented that data really as a question mark more than anything
3: thank you that was it was very interesting nate let me go to carl grimes because carl i'd like you to do the same thing from your presentation we we always learn something new i had asked carl because he's like the world traveler you know carl get the i love your position you get to go to every major conference and just soak up all that you know all that education so could you regurgitate some key points from your presentation for our listeners
5: um, I guess the best quick summary of it is that uh, I'll give you uh, the the not-so-good and then the very good. The not-so-good is the silo effect that still organizations that nationally and international organizations, too, that are looking at a lot of the same things, like the built environment, uh, they look at it from their particular point of view and they either don't see other points of view or this is, they dismiss it. I had one good friend of mine at a, an, another conference last week, Greenville, tell me, I was talking about this, and I said, well, you know, for example, you're on the engineering and the academic research side, and I saw some interesting things at the epidemiology conference, and the immediate response was they don't do science. <laughs> okay? So <laughs> uh, it's a, different way of looking at things it's not the same but it's that kind of dismissive attitude it's not like me so therefore it's not good it's not what i do so therefore it's not valid and there, that's the bad side of it the good side is that there are attempts to break through that at the uh, uh healthy buildings in europe in july there was a symposium by one of the lead researchers, Paolo Wargaki. He's the past president of IZIAC. in fact. He had a, a, a group, more of a workshop, of how do we break out of the silos and how do we, how do we, uh, how do we make contact with other groups and how do we communicate with them? So there's, there's that going on. The epidemiology conference, for the very first time, this is bad news, good news, for the very first time they had a track on the built environment. The bad news is it's the very first time out of their, what, 60-year history. The good news is at least they had it. So that, that, that's an opening. Uh, and the other quick point, all of them are looking more now at not just the mechanical systems that go into buildings and the structures and the energy efficiency and all those nice, neat, you know, fairly predictable measurements but they're starting to include people in it. They haven't got to the point of looking at individual reaction and what they call the subjectivity of people, which is really the start of science, but at least they now can talk people without gagging. <laughs> they can at least include people in, in, in their research and in their conversation. That's the two big takeaways I see is a broad movement uh, you know, nationally and also internationally.
3: Let me uh we're running low on time, so I just wanna I'm gonna have to round this up for everyone here today. First I wanna thank our, our marquee sponsors at the event, which were Hayward Score, Carl's Carl's New HaywardScore dot com. Check it out. Particles Plus, we wanna thank them for their marquee sponsorship and their help with the research. We'll have more about them in just a moment. Of course, John Don, who's been a tremendous supporter of the show over the years. Instascope, were exhibitors. We had Instascope, FiberLock Technologies, Prism Analytical Technologies. It was great to see Cole uh, from FiberLock. And Alice D'Elia, who Dr. D'Elia is just wonderful to have around anytime you're doing one of these events. And she's just a, a truly good person. Uh, True Tech Tools, Bill Spohn, unfortunately, Bill. Um, Jacked up his back and wasn't able to be with us, but we do want to put out the True Tech Tools folks, and he had a real nice display of different tools available through the uh, True Tech Tools website, Uh, AEML Laboratory, of course, and um, we also had U.S. Micro Solutions Laboratory, and then, of course, IAQ Radio, IAQ Training, and Ideas, and I hope I didn't leave anyone out. What I'd also like to do is quickly mention some of the other speakers we had, and, and a quick Uh, comment on each. First, Mike McGinnis. Uh, I want to thank Mike for joining us. Mike did a really interesting presentation on risk communication and conflict resolution resolving IEQ emergencies. He talked a lot about, you know, risk and hazard and um, also mentioned Dr. Peter Sandman from Yale, who has been a guest on the show. I really um, encourage people who are interested to Go to the search button on IAQ Radio and put in Sandman, S-A-N-D-M-A-N, and his formula is risk equal hazard times outrage. Very interesting, and uh, Mike uses that as a part of his process for helping to uh, resolve IEQ emergencies. Uh, also... Want to thank uh, Mike Bowden, attorney from Texas, did a really nice presentation on what happened after Harvey hit, uh, using his mother's home actually as a tremendous example. Talked a little bit about what insurance-related issues are happening down there. That was a another great presentation. Of course, Cole Stanton did a nice job for us as well from Fiberlock. Um, Joe Medosh, I, I want to make sure I mention Joe. Joe's a tremendous. Uh, he's one of he's kind of a. Uh, Sort of an indoor air quality guy. He got a long indoor air quality background, but he's also a home performance guy. But he's also a tools guy. Um, so we had Joe talk about his background and and, and talk to. Talk to folks about how those things can come together. I think you did a, a, a great job for our listeners. Um, uh, Dr. Chance who Cliff mentioned, talked about the microbiology of sewage. Herb Lehman did a, a nice job with uh, Legionnaire uh, and, and discussion of Legionnaire and talking about the New York State regulation and how... You know, people are looking at the uh, potential for regulation in other areas when it comes to Legionnaire, an emerging issue in the indoor air quality world. Of course, Tom Grillo for Particles Plus. A lot of people... He, he was on Saturday, so after a lot of people left, but he summarized a lot of the data that Cliff and he had worked on and, and our other guy, Danny, Special Forces Hunt. I want to make sure I thank Danny for helping with the research. And finally, the last one, the guy I used to try and pull this all together, and I don't think most people would, unless you saw him do it, I don't think most people even would realize why or how I did this, but I brought in a gentleman by the name of Todd Usher. Todd is a builder out of Greenville, South Carolina, who I met in May in a class in Greenville. And I was just so impressed with what he's doing with respect to taking research and putting it into practice in building new energy efficient, these are net zero ready homes in the Greenville, South Carolina market. And uh, we actually went out and we did some measurements with him with the class in these homes. So we kind of took the research from the EPA and Department of Energy and other groups, the Builders Associations, and went through the, the nuts and bolts of how you build one of these more efficient but also better indoor air quality homes. And I thought Todd did a really nice job of wrapping that all up, and I see I'm running a little low on time. Does anybody have a final comment they'd like to throw in here?
5: I just think you outdid yourself, Joe. You and Cliff, but the, your conferences have been getting better and better. And this was this was uh,
3: awesome. I can't wait till next year. Well, thank you for Agree. that, Carl. Uh, Eric, same with you. Ditto. Nate, I'm so happy, Nate. I know you've gone to a million conferences over the years. When you sent me a little email saying this is the only one I'm going to go to on a regular basis, and and have been for the past few years, uh, really. It really made me feel good, so I appreciate that. Of course, I also appreciate the help of the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. uh, People always think of uh, your presentations as one of the highlights of the event, Cliff, and this year wasn't any different. So thank you so much for that. Uh, And I want to say thanks to our engineer, John. you got to have faith. He was our cameraman at the event, helped me pull a lot of this together. I never could have done it without him. And, of course, uh, most importantly, Dottie Dottie Hughes, IAQ Dottie. uh, She was uh, the the rock that stood behind me while I was pulling all this together and put up with the uh, insanity for the month or two before the event. And I hope I didn't leave anybody out. But um, this is Radio Joe Hughes saying thanks to this week's guests, uh, Carl Grimes, Nate Adams, Eric Shapiro, of course, my co-host, the Z-Man, Cliff Slotnick, John, you got to have faith at the controls. Nice group of listeners on today, our growing group of loyal listeners. We will be back in two weeks from today. We're going to take off the Thanksgiving holiday, which I'm sure most of you will be uh, off on that Friday after Thanksgiving. But two weeks from today, we'll be back with with the next episode of IAQ Radio.
2: For IAQ Radio, I'm Spike Reed saying thanks for listening.